yeah, there's yeah. so much productivity. You should embrace LLMs. You should embrace, you know, chat GPTs and things. There's so much productivity gain you can get inside the business, right? Um, but what we're talking about here, we're not saying you need to do all of this to get any value out of that. But we are saying that if you think you're just going to spider this over the top of all of your business's information and data and knowledge, that that's where things are going to get gnarly. And yeah. I think a lot of people are jumping on that real fast for understandable reasons. Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Coalesce, a monthly podcast about all things data and the trends and technology transforming our industry. I'm Armand Petrosian, CEO of Coalesce, and here with me is my co-founder and CTO, Satish Jayanti. Together, we'll be your host for the next hour. It's always the best music. You got to love that. It's good music. It is groovy music. Welcome back. For those of you who have been on this before, tuned into it before, obviously some familiar guests here, got some new ones. Usually it takes a few minutes for people to trickle in, so let's just give it a second as the audience rolls in. As you do, let us know where you're tuning in from. This is the first ever Coffee with Coalesce that's in the afternoon Pacific time. Yeah, this really, this really should have been happy hour with Coley. This, this, this at least for those of us over uh, here uh, on this, uh, this uh, side uh, of the pond. It could be cocktails with Coles. Cocktails with Coles. There we go. Yeah. I don't know if John over here could be drinking a cocktail, what time it is right now. Is it- Dude, I'm Australian. Yeah. You can drink a cocktail anytime. That's true. That's true. So today <laughs> that's, is that's cocktails breakfast with Coles. <laughs> we're, we're done with coffee with Coles for today. Today's cocktails with Coles. I'll pour myself a drink, hopefully midway through here. Um, while you're tuning in, let us know where you are tuning in from since we've got an afternoon session today. This is a bit unusual. Uh, let us know if you're in Australia, if you're in New Zealand. There you go. One, one from yeah, Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah. Got Melbourne. That's how you pronounce it, right, JC? Uh, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're somewhere else, if you're in Europe, that would be crazy because it'd be really late. That's okay. Anyways. Uh, today's a special today's a special day, not just because of the time, but also because we've got an amazing new guest, Mr. John Cosgrove. Uh, I will let you introduce yourself, and then we can jump into the rest of us. But it's such a pleasure to have you on. I'm excited to to talk about all the fun things we have. But before we do jump into it, please introduce yourself, JC. Certainly, yes, JC, John Cosgrove. I'm uh, CEO at uh, Lightfold. Uh, we're, we're part of the CloudWorks Group. As of recently, some people would have seen that announcement. So very excited there. Um, working with uh, the, the the Snowflake Salesforce ecosystems, data ecosystems, and of course, as you can tell from the the giant thing behind me, uh, the the Coalesce uh, team as well. We've been big fans of Coalesce from early. That is actually just so you know, that is actually what they sent me as the Partner <laughs> of the Year trophy. That's why I have it on the wall. Um, it is made of metal. These guys are not messing around. Um, so yes, it's an absolute pleasure to to be here, and I'm not at all nervous that I'm I'm talking with Kent Graciano, the literal metal <laughs> warrior himself. I'm completely calm and composed. For for what it's worth, Kent JC was insanely excited when I told him at some point we were going to do one of these with you in particular. Uh, so Kent, I know you've been on as a guest before numerous times now. Uh, if you don't mind, another quick intro, JC, welcome. Welcome to the first coffee or cocktails with Coles uh, for yourself. But Kent, please, quick intro on your end, and then Satish and myself, and we can get this show right. started. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me on yet again. Uh, glad to be here and uh, meet you at least virtually, JC. 
instead of just on LinkedIn, it's like now there now there's a face because your LinkedIn thing is an avatar, right? It's it's a cartoon. It's yes, it's a sketch. I've got the hat somewhere. I've got the hat. Yeah. So yeah, Kent Graziano, uh, the data warrior, been in the industry for over four decades now. <laughs> yeah, I have to start counting in decades. Um, I'm the uh, I was the chief technical evangelist at Snowflake for six years, and actually retired out of that uh, about two years ago, and went into just kind of semi-retirement mode until people like Armand call me and say, "Hey, you know, we'd like to have you on these shows, and maybe have you as an advisor." And so I do a little bit of this and that these days, uh, still keeping my, my hand in the game and keeping up. I just came back from doing day-to-day Texas in, in Austin last weekend or the weekend before. I can't remember which now, but that was fun. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. I am. Thanks, Kent. Welcome back. Uh, it looks like just based on the comments, we do have a handful of people from Australia and New Zealand, which I think is special given most of the time in the last events there was almost nobody given it was three or four a.m so anyways welcome to everybody from australia new zealand down under love it happy to be here satish quick intro on your end yes uh, hey guys uh this is uh, satish jayanti i'm a cto co-founder at coalesce i have known kent for a long time i'm i've read his articles his content all my career so he's awesome um and I met JC when I was in Australia last uh, last year. So welcome, JC. I'm super excited about this conversation here. Amazing. And for myself, CEO, co-founder of Coalesce with Satish, I met JC on a road tour where we did, where did we start? Brisbane, then Sydney the next day, then Melbourne the following day, and went through... Day after day, flight after flight, presenting together, had such an awesome time. Uh, it's been such a such an awesome experience going through all those cities with you, JC. We knew we had to get something like this set up at some point. Uh, bring you on as a guest, obviously Kent. We worked together for many years, uh, along with Satish. Uh, I'm excited. This is a fun topic. I think this was the most engaged topic that we've ever had leading up to the actual event itself. Uh, I'll probably do the least amount of talking today, which is awesome. Just knowing, uh, and highly unusual. Yeah, highly, highly <laughs> unusual. Passionate. Uh, you are John on this topic, but obviously, AI has taken the world by storm. There is a massive hype train moving towards the growth of AI. There's some people that want to talk about it, learn about it, and really want to make sure that that doesn't end up as a train wreck. And there's common quote recently around your AI strategy is only as good as your data strategy. I firmly believe that's true. I think there's a bunch to unpack here, but really it's all related to data modeling, which I think is one of the things that Kent, you've been most passionate about. Satish, you and I have been exposed to this. Obviously, JC, uh, you've had plenty of exposure to this throughout all the life cycles of data projects. And so just to kick us off, like the Topic of this is why modeling is key to have a su- successful AI strategy. I think JC, I would, I would, I have to go to you just based on all the things that I've read uh, that you've wrote leading up to this. Can you share with us from your perspective at a high level, or maybe you make it make it more granular? Why data modeling is so key to the success of any AI implementation? 
Uh, yeah, and like we said, we were trying to figure out, okay, uh, d d does this podcast go for, you know, um, 20 minutes or, or, or 20 hours? Um, uh, th th so I'm going to start with the thing very genuinely. Um, you guys uh, obviously put out the Coalesce uh, white paper on trends in 2024. Yes. Um, and anybody who's watching, go and download the Coalesce white paper on trends in 2024 because it's actually an amazing summary of what is actually trends um, and power to you guys as well for like the number of things you covered and touched on. Um, sometimes you read these things and they're just unabashedly about, you know, how do we sell our product? And actually this was like, when I read it, I was going each of these pages, it's like an executive summary for, for each of these components. So, so well done. It really adds a lot of value, but in it, there's this quote in one section from Kent, Right. And I, I blew it up a bit. I, I, I grabbed it and shared it with everybody. Um, I'm going to quote you. It says, we have to create a connection between natural language, the semantic model and the technical database to really take advantage of data. This is the learning curve we're going to be on. This is the idea that modeling is now about semantics. Right. I'm like that quote, <laughs> like it sounds simple, but you've joined three things in one sentence, which are the three things we've got to pivot to understanding to really do this, what, what is shaping up to be, what the challenge is for, for making LLMs integrate into our world. Um, and I was saying, this is actually, this is Kent's quote. Kent was like, did I really say that? I was like, yeah, no, you did. It was, it was, like, a, it was like a haiku, man. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> People nice. listen to you, Kent. They, they, they really do. We do, we do. Particularly here down under. I'm starting a, I'm starting a fan club. But the, 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 like one of the next, chapters then was um you have a section on vector databases mm. and and so what i wanted to do i kind of this is the, the jc thesis if we if we do it very briefly and interrupt me Let's you know, at any time all right so that, okay so people <laughs> have probably heard about this idea of embeddings you may not have right but as you start to scratch into okay how do i do this generative ai thing you'll start to hear people talk about embeddings you might start to hear people talk about vector right Mm -hmm. um, and understanding this idea, there's, there's entire textbooks on it. I'm going to mention, you know, one of what the textbooks you can, you can see online at the moment, um, a little bit later, but we're not going to go into to all of the detail. The, the thing is that to train an LLM, whichever one you, you train, it's hugely expensive. So you would have heard all the stuff about, oh, it only knows the internet. Like that's, you know, a limit up to like 2020 or 2021. Um, and people were like, you know, oh, it won't be useful until it's the cost of training a model on what we call the corpus, you know, the body of, of human knowledge is enormous and you actually don't need to do it. What the LLMs were really designed to do was to convert language, human language it's into its semantic meaning mathematically, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, what people are, are doing is they're thinking, how do we turn them into a librarian, right? Can we, can we bolt them onto your library, right? Like a data warehouse, like a data estate, like all sorts of other things, and then allow it to go and, and grab that information. Now this idea, <clears throat> it's got a name, you've again probably heard, um, retrieval augmented generation or RAG, right? You'll hear that a lot. Um, it, it's getting built into a whole bunch of apps. Um, there's all sorts of web apps now, which are really trying to focus on this, but there's, there's a bit of a catch, right? You might think, Oh yeah, this is like asking the LLM to to go and um, uh, uh, write a query. But like the the guys at um, Snowflake have written some amazing articles about how much work they're doing into text to SQL and how hard 
that problem. That really is, yeah. It's really, really hard. And it's hard mm-hmm. for basically this reason, right? You're, you're, you're actually making an assumption. So what a vector database does is it, it actually requires you to use the same map. If I, can, if I could give it that phrase, use the same map as the map for the sum totality of human knowledge that the LLM was trained on, right? And if, if what you do is you encode, which is really what that embedding is doing, it, it's converting your data or your document, whatever your knowledge is, it's converting it into the same big long string of numbers. It's like hundreds of dimensional number space, right? If you do that, then what it can kind of do is it can treat your information like it's an extension of the map. Um, and it can do so with with quite a high degree of, of you know, reasonable response. They talk about things like, you know, uh, uh, approximate nearest neighbor is uh, is one of the terms that you'll see. JC, I mean, when you, you say map, is this akin to something like a, um, a knowledge graph? Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. It, it's there's a it's a very it's a difficult mathematical concept. And this is this has been this whole study of um, uh, linguistics and how you turn linguistics into into numbers. Right. Um, and I actually knowledge graphs are exactly the same type of thing. Like, that, and that's why um, part of my comments, which I'm sure we're, we're going to get to, is that some of these ideas these are old. We, people right. have been studying this stuff. I shouldn't say old, but some of these um, ideas, you know, people have been studying for twenty five years, fifty well, years. Yeah, it's, it's decades. Yes, there's a lot of things decades. going on. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. like I think that the challenge with all of this and the LLMs in particular and the generative AI is trying to break it down so that people who are non-technical can understand it, which is why I threw in the knowledge graph thing, because people are starting to get a little more familiar with the concept of knowledge graph. And, you know, businesses have started teaching people how to do mind maps. Well, what's a mind map, right? It's, it's a knowledge it's a model. Graph, right. Yep. And, it's, and it's a vector, right? You're, yep. you're just doing it in a diagrammatic form and effect, you know, literally connecting the dots. Is that what we're really talking about? That is exactly what we're talking about, okay. right? And and so the this is the the challenge, right? So there's there if you really want to go off the deep end, there's this amazing textbook um, by Stanford's uh, Dan Jarafsky and uh, James Martin. Um, they're doing a huge update. You you talk about you know moments where you literally have to rewrite the textbook. They are literally doing that online. <laughs> right it's now. it's in yeah. draft, and they're frantically going like, look if this is changing as fast as we can rewrite it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's a very detailed book, but it had this amazing quote. There's this quote in chapter six from uh, the Chinese philosopher, uh, Zhuang Shi, where it says, nets are for fish. Once you catch the fish, you don't need the net. Words are for meaning. Once you have the meaning, you don't need the words. And, it, and it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful quote from like, a, I believe a sixth century philosopher to have made because what an LLM basically does is it catches the meaning, turns that into a math string, and it throws away the word. It brings the word back when you need it, like a label, right? But what it's really looking for is this huge web of meaning across all the different ways that the word is used, right? So um, here's the problem, is that your business data, it, it wasn't in the net. It didn't get caught by this. And so... If you now pick up this net, you've heard, oh, awesome, this, this catches meaning. I'm going to throw this net out and catch some meaning, right? Um, you go to try and catch some fish, except your database doesn't call it fish. It calls it S underscore 902175.3 because you've, you've taken source labels from a source system, right? Or, you, or someone called it that 10 years ago and they've left the business. 
so there's there's this there's this problem where you're going to wind up applying the translator if you like right um for somebody else's language model but what you're not what you're realizing is that language model expects you to talk like a human and right and that's why Kent, your quote was so amazing. That's because... the natural language piece. Yeah, that was one of the yeah. in in doing this document, the uh, the predictions with with coalesce that that was one of those aha <laughs> moments for me. It's like because I've always been on the you know let's do a business model, right? And what you're talking about now is the semantics of the business. It's not S one two three four five. It's you know. A specific customer it it's you know yes it, it's emc it's emc corporations hp corporations yes. whatever it is but it's it's not that number and for the llm to communicate with us and us to communicate with it we have to speak the same language right which so that's where we're getting back to this the idea of a semantic model right that's exactly that right it, it's not a technical model some point we got to be up above you know we're not doing a schema in snowflake anymore yeah yes yep, there's going yep. to need to be a schema in snowflake where the data resides that's the source for you know the the ais and the machine learning algorithms and all of that but how do we communicate with that if we're we have to use that natural language and the only way to do that is you got to start lining up the natural language with the meaning as you yes. have so eloquently said, and that meaning is embedded in, in my mind, always has been, in a well-defined business semantic model that is divorced from, or maybe better put, abstracted from the technology, mm -hmm. right? Which is what, it's exactly what made me so excited, right? Is that like, if we geek out now and I go, so like, if we talk about the great work that, that we've been saying has been going on for decades as as we've been trying to to figure out you know how to structure information so that it it has meaning you can go all the way back to like again i'll rattle off a couple there's an amazing book by um hey uh data model patterns literally was called the subtitle was conventions of thought, thought. yeah conventions of thought you can hear that's it i mean that's you know that that book's going on now and, it's and, and that, still... that, that white paper came out in the early nineties. Cause I saw it, I think in like January, February of 1992. It, and yes, I remember such arcane things. Cause I actually I, not, I, and that's met the, David Hay, you know, uh, probably a, later that year at an Oracle user group conference, but my boss at a software company, I just joined was the first startup I was ever at. Um, we were going to use the Oracle case tool to build software to support the oil and gas industry on top of Oracle financials. And he gave us that first paper that David had written on data model patterns. And we actually, we built the software using the party model. We use that model. And so that was really my introduction into like very serious data modeling where we did conceptual modeling. It wasn't we didn't start with designing a couple of tables with some columns in the database. We started with business. And in this case, we were, you know, looking at production accounting and some other things in the oil and gas industry. And I got my first trip ever to Houston. I lived in Denver at the time. And my first ever trip to Houston was to sit down with a former oil field guy who's now a manager at an oil and gas company and have him explain the business to me. Mm. And then go back to Denver and draw an ER diagram with mm. 
the terms he'd used and getting the definitions and then working back and forth to define it before we ever built an Oracle table. People have been asking me all week, why are you so nervous about this meeting? I'm like, did you just hear the bit where the dude was like, so I got handed a white paper draft of like the seminal classic work, Hayes data model patterns. I'm like, that's why, that, that's why I'm a bit nervous. That's, that's something, that's something not a lot of people can just say, Kent, just, just so we're clear. Um, but, but yes, I mean, that, that idea, right? That idea is not only just as relevant today, no matter what piece of tech you're using, no Absolutely. what you want to call the stack. Um, and and we see like if you think you then go through the progressions right you, you had um, in Inmon and Graziano and Silverstone with universal data models you had Kimball with dimensional modeling um, and Inmon also doing you know like warehousing ODS uh, Linstead the amazing Dan Linstead with of course Data Vault again Kent something you're very familiar with and, and I think most recently I'm going to say um, the amazing Jamak Dogani um, I think is joining the ranks with with Data Mesh every single one of these people like. Inside the data world, we, we can get very religious. <laughs> we can wind up saying, I'm, a, I'm a, a this person or I'm a that person. But when you step back and look at the whole pattern, they all share a single goal. Not a single one of them suggests that the meaning resides in the source system data's you know, language. The meaning resides in, in how the business interprets it. And the whole job yes. is it's not allowed to be called SIDO7555. What you need to do, in addition to enriching the record and giving it more meaning, you also need to think like you're talking about the, the concept diagram, you know, maybe it is a fish. Maybe we classify it in a group of products called seafood, right? Mm -hmm. And it's things like that. You don't have to literally sit here and think that what John's saying is what I need to map everything to this huge mapping list of, of pre-coded terms. No, because it's, it's clever enough that if it saw seafood, it's going to go, hmm, that might have stuff to do with fish. But if your entire structure is just yourself talking to yourself and your source systems, you're, you're still gonna be able to use them, but it's not going to work as effectively, right? So you have to basically build your own version of, of Zhuangzi's net. It doesn't have to be an LLM, but you need to catch some of your meaning first and align it to the meaning that, you know, has been encoded into the model. And, yeah, and I, I think a great example of that would be um, the original table names used by SAP. <laughs> uh, they were in German on top of it, right? And they were eight characters because it, they started wow. writing that at the time when we had a limitation in the operating system to file names and all sorts of names were limited to like eight characters. And so you, it's, it's, in a, it's in German and it's abbreviated. And you, that's how people got to be SAP experts is they yeah. knew what that meant and they did the translation. Um, <laughs> We've got customers who still deal with this today that are going through migrations, trying to change 500, 600 column names at once. Yeah, and when, when, when I worked at HP, we were, I ended up on the uh, supply chain team for a while. And my director said, surely somebody has a logical model of the SAP database. And the answer was, nope. There was one company who had produced it and charged an exorbitant amount of money to get an ER diagram of SAP. And we ended up basically reverse engineering it into Irwin. And then I got to work with the, the subject matter experts. I taught them how to draw foreign keys because there weren't any in the database. And I taught them how to go in and use Irwin and change the names and put in definitions so that we ended up with a conceptual or logical semantic model of SAP supply chain that we could then compare to other parts of the business 
using the terminology that the business used. And that was, that was a one year project. Totally. These, these comments are too good. Somebody says SAP table names. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Justin D. Hey, Justin. I know you were actually one of the people I was referring to when I talked about SAP migrations, changing hundreds of columns. Uh, great to have you on. Okay. Shifting back to you. <laughs> so, so, so I know. Like I mean, that's, that, that's right. exactly. You, you've described it incredibly well on like from, from a high level, the importance of it. So, so what, what is the conclusion for you as you, as you sit back and think about all this? Yeah. So, so my, my, my thing is to go like, um, if, if I can, that there's a, there's a counter thought or counter argument, um, emerging. It was, yeah. uh, there was a, there's a, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about it, about, we won't need any of this because the LLM will do it for us. Yeah, right? the AI so, is going to figure out the data model for us. AI right? is going to figure out the data model for us. And I'm like, Based look. Based on what? Yeah, I mean, look, maybe, maybe, maybe. If it happens, awesome, right? But right here, right now, you've got people, you know, going to Davos and saying, we might need fusion just to have enough power to keep running the things we've got now. Like we're approaching a bit of a plateau in its power for a little bit. I have no doubt it will keep going, but there's going to be a window where it's like, mm, this is getting close now to, to what it can do. Um, and certainly in a business context, what it can do. And that the experts in the field are saying, it's really difficult to just unleash an LLM onto whatever you've got as your data structure or your semantic structure. So unless you I, want I to see at, the lights dim. Yeah, unless you want to see the lights dim. Yeah, yeah, correct. So I, I, I look at it and go, what we have to realize is that the LLM is in fact structure. It, it's the model itself no. is the most, no, it is in fact the most incredible, beautiful incarnation of structure because it's what you get when you've captured structure so massively that it can do the Zhuangxi thing. It can throw away the words and, and keep, the, keep the meaning, right? But it means that like for me, and this is something Kent, you will know really well, this, the structure wards, we went through this, I, I give talks about it, you know, and I, and this is where people start throwing things at me. I, I'm not, I'm not against data lakes, right? I've, I've built some, I, I'm not against them. What I was against was people telling me that that is all we need. Right. Going, it's it's no. unstructured data. We got to account for unstructured data and we can do schema unread because yeah. that'll save us all this time. We're yeah. wasting our time modeling the data before we load it in. And it's like, uh, that worked schema out on read says <laughs> the word schema. Schema means structure, which also that's, means That's model. exactly right, right? When I get on stage, I go, guys, I'm going to really hit you hard. There are three fundamental elements of the universe. There is matter, there is energy, and there is information. And when you read the physics of that statement, they tell you clearly the information is the connection. It's the structure of the matter and the energy. So like this... This narrative that we're not going to do structure because structure is hard. Well, guess what? This superpower thing we've made, it is all about actually structure. It's an amazing wizard at bringing us structure that we as a business would, would not be able to do. No, every business on earth can't go and build Llama, right? Or, or GPT because the cost is just immense. But I think it's naive to think, and it's also just going to come in here and understand why we call things the way we call things. And, and the, the example I have, like this, again, uh, this, this textbook that you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with, um, in, the same, in the same chapter later, there's this beautiful little diagram of a parallelogram, 
right? And it has to do with a mathematical solution for analogy, right? And we, we have a saying, everyone who's done an ABI will go, oh, you can't compare apples and oranges. That's the only time I'm going to do the Australian accent, by the way. <laughs> you can't compare apples and oranges. Right? <laughs> like, and, and, and we say that immediately, we like, we're being very wise. Because um, we're making a categorization error when we do that, right? It means that your numbers aren't right because you categorized it wrong. Well, in LLM world, in that general world, there, there's this other thing that this, this example is of apple is to tree as grape is to vine, mm. right? And the moment I saw it, I was like, oh, this is again, this is exactly where the worlds are colliding. What it's doing is really clever. It, it's trying to find analogies. It's going, mm. oh, apple tree, grape, vine. I, I get it, right? Literally, what if you're calling oranges apples in your database? What's mm. it going to do? It's going to pick up all your oranges data and it's going to go, oh, they're basically grapes. And that means oranges grow on vines. And, and you can't blame the poor LLM. Like, it, like the issue is fundamentally how you've labeled it and how you've, you've, you've um, put stuff yeah. across it. Early on in the, uh, uh, the days of machine learning, I, I got down to telling people, was like, if you train your model on a bunch of pictures of dogs mm -hmm. and then show it a cat, it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to call it a dog or it's going to blow up. <laughs> it's going to crash, right? Because somebody didn't put an error trap in there and it's going, I don't know what that is, yep. right? Because it only, we, we call it artificial intelligence, but it really isn't. It's programmed intelligence. It's maybe augmented intelligence, but it can, at this point, you know, maybe it'll become self, you know, there's this quasi self-learning stuff going on. But mm -hmm. for the most part, it only knows what we, told it right right what, what we fed into the model and if we fed it garbage from a data swamp the output's not going to be what you need and it's not going to be it's not going to be correct it's not going to meet your expectations and that's where that what worked me eventually back into this whole yeah we we got to have some kind of a data model now yeah it doesn't does it have to be a a technical third normal form table and column with four keys. No, it doesn't no, have it to doesn't. be that, right? We're up a level, right? Up to that semantic model, what we originally called, we did it in entity relationship modeling with entities and relationships, not tables, columns, and foreign keys and indexes. It was none of that. It was up a level and it, you, the, you know, the, uh, the books you were referencing, you know, David Hayes' book, and then even you know Bill Inman's and Ralph Kimball's, and even in the data vault world where we talk about business keys and business objects, we've all been trying for decades to get people to realize it's going to work way better if we actually model the business. Yep. Right. And now we're. I think you know you're seeing that come to fruition more so now with the, the AI and Gen AI and LLMs. Is if we want to speak. If we want to be able to ask a question and have the LLM understand the question and return an answer in terms we understand, you know, you know business, one of our business executives asks a question, they're not going to say, um, I need to see a count of XYZ from table one, two, and three in database X on Snowflake in our European instance. Yeah. So that it can generate a sequel that, you know, that's exactly. never, ever, that's not self-service, right? That's not self-service BI. That is not what we're looking for. I, I was in a meeting with a venture firm today 
And of course, this is a hot topic, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm convinced we could just add AI to our company name and our valuation will skyrocket. That's because, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, don't, uh, do it, it, don't do it, Armand. Come on. Don't do it. Don't. Stay strong. Stay strong. Stay strong, bro. Uh, I, I, I mean, we were talking about how AI impacts the product, our product here in the US. And, you know, I think there's a, a really obvious element to this where you're seeing people start to leverage something like ChatGPT for writing queries, for example. But that's going to become what do they call? What's the one called on Snowflake? Is it Copilot or uh, Cortex? Cortex, Cortex. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's going to be so cool. It's it so very cool. cool, and and it will become ubiquitous. It'll help people write <clears> here. <throat> but by no means does that resolve any of the things that we're talking about here. That's more of like an assistant to help you write some queries. And you but even then, if you don't have foreign keys in the database, how does it know what table, what columns to join it on? Yeah, if exactly. you've done the data model, then, okay, that makes sense. That's going to be way easier. It's and going so to be a lot faster. What I was explaining was that the, the only way to do this successfully is to train a model based on the metadata that's coming from all of the relationships, all the transformations over a course of time that can then use that to leverage what it's learned and help the user actually infer decision makings and write smarter queries or joins or things that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise compared to just having some co-pilot that you ask a question on how to write a query and hopefully get 80% of it back for you. And so I think all, all, all this relates to your original quote, Kent, along with what you're saying, JC, which is the model's only going to be as good as how you train it as far as the LLM model goes, but it all starts from this exact same entry point, which is, Where's the data? What's the data? Is it accurate? Is it transparent? And you've got to have the structure. It, it's just, it's, there has to be some level of structure there. It's not a, a total free for all. Cause like you said, it's, there's not enough power to go out right. and figure all this stuff out. And um, yeah, I think I remember early on in the data science, you know, craze when it first started this idea, we we're just going to have a data lake and, we're going to give the data scientists access to this big bucket of data and they will find all these great insights and correlations in the data. And their first question was, what does this data mean? Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and you know what every data scientist in the world doesn't want to do after they've just done a data science degree, which these days doesn't do much SQL. They don't want to sit down and actually become like an analytics engineer. They don't want to sit down and actually have to answer those questions. They want to build models. They want to, exactly. they want to run stats. Right. Um, and it, it's it's that breakdown there. I, I think that's cost us some time. But I think that this is a moment to kind of stop and go. No, really, structure. It, I, all of the credible, I think, data lake solutions out there uh, would all agree. They're yeah. all making sure that there's layers on top that then also provide structure. And talking about AI, if you can hear my Roomba in the background, I'm, I apologize. <laughs> we're now going to find out how good we're going to find out how good its AI is because if it knocks over. The dividers, I'm going to be really cranky with it. You'd be very careful. <laughs> You'd be very careful. Is, um, is it trained? Yes. Has it trained? Yeah. Is it trained? On the, How much? On the angles there on your Shoji screen. Yeah, exactly right. I'm very yeah. tempted to turn it off. Give me just one second. Okay. Now he's scared. <laughs> it's awesome. the, the, the age of the machine here, right? It's like, yeah, could, could you have your, your divider just knocked right over? Because, yeah, it actually hasn't had an opportunity to 
model the contours of that shoji screen which so it might knock it over because it hasn't had the opportunity for the trial and error yet I, there, was a I little, there was a little bit of me that almost was like is this poetic if i let this, <laughs> this is like perfectly on time oh, I, I see i see my uh buddy george trujillo is on and george and i go back this is quite this a is, while in the uh, Oracle world, but yeah, see, remember Hadoop plus data scientist plus magic happens equals outcomes. Yeah, right. Yeah. This, this is like the spiciest comment section. I, I'm going to just contribute it all to the fact that this is an Australia, New Zealand timed uh, coalesce web event for the first time. I love these comments. I don't know. Yeah, it, it looks like we've we've got a lot of people from across the pond as well. I, I think yeah. I think we just I think we just touched a nerve because it, it is it's this nerve where we've been we've been being sold something right for for basically a couple Snake of decades. Oil. Yeah, yeah, and it is it is right. We don't have to name people or anything, but it, I, it just it, it's annoyed me. Um, just standing going, listen, I've been taught by people who are way smarter than me, and I respect the hell out of them. Um, and like I said, I, I, you can add people to that list. I, I add Jamak um, Dogani to that list as well. But, but they're all talking, like the hard work is, is all just pointing towards more and more needing to respect structure. Yeah. Um, and, and there was an interesting question in the comments about where can we see an AI data model from Frank Riley? I mean, um, that, that, that's, that's the interesting thing, right? Um, that's why that net quote is so beautiful. Um, you, kind of, you kind of can't. It, it, it has thrown away the what we would think of as a model it, it, the model it, it is there but the the model has become this 150 200 dimension vector space it's pure uh mathematical space to help it you know understand all the different words and meanings um of the human language you know in in their various relationships to each other um and so rather than like that's why i'm saying that the job can't be I somehow literally map to that. I, I think what we've got to do is just trust they're going to keep doing the job of refining and refining and refining how well it does natural language. Our job is to just make sure that the things that we build are aligning more and more to natural language. And that, that the people places things is, is something that we've been saying about AI, you know, even when we were just building simple stuff like hyperplanes and things, we're going, the AI doesn't care about your business process. It cares about people, places and things because those are the observable interactions that you're trying to predict and influence. So like, even if your business process says, I do these 12 things, none of them may have a material impact on the predictive outcome, except for the one where you actually sent an email or you actually you know, mailed something because that's the event where the other actor can now kind of interact. So it's the same type of thing is that um, if we haven't been thinking about semantic models in, in this new generation of, of builders, uh, I think like that you're gonna have to, and I think in your white paper, you, you mentioned as well with knowledge graphs, right? How even just knowledge graph as a, as a great example of a semantic layer, th there's some stats there saying that you're seeing an improvement in, in the use of then LLMs and, and AI by like 52%. It makes Okay, so sense. you're talking about Juan Cicada's white paper. I, I I believe I am. I know I'm actually talking about. I'm I'm referencing your white paper, which I think is then referencing that. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, it is all the way down. But yes, I, I interviewed one on my True Data Ops podcast right after he published that, and uh, we got talking about it. And he r ran those numbers again in uh, in Austin a couple of weeks ago about the 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 overall improvement in the outcomes from the LLM by feeding it information from a knowledge graph. And it's like, and that just, you know, obviously just reinforced the belief that I had that's like, hey, 
you know, the models are helpful. Yeah. And it's, and you, you said it earlier, Armand metadata, right? It's, yes. it, it's the, you know, no, we're not talking about the data. We are talking about the information, the relationship, the data, right. And that That's is, right. you know, was classically defined metadata decades ago. We data about data, but nobody understood what it meant then. And really the, these models that we're talking about, you know, a semantic model is metadata, uh, an ontology oh. and a taxonomy that relate these things, they're the things that are, are going to help that meaning, right? For the LM to have the meaning of the information, not like you said, the fish in your, yeah, in your net. It's like, exactly yeah, right. we're, trying to catch, we're trying to catch the meaning now, right? We're trying to yeah. catch the meaning and our net, you know, in my world is a, is a conceptual model. Spot on. That's exactly so, it. So I got a question for you guys. Just <clears throat> historicals so we're talking a lot about the importance of having structure training the models semantics all these really important things and if you don't if you don't have them in mind top of mind then there's gonna be issues now i think we saw a similar parallel to this in the past as you were discussing early for, for example george's comment around hadoop and data scientists equal outcomes somehow uh, which we saw was not true. Do you think we're going to go through a similar experience for companies that are trying to embrace AI today, where there's all this budget that gets approved for AI projects and they don't look at it through and through with the proper perspective? Do we need to fall on our face in order for us to learn a lesson? Well, that goes back to my quote, right? Is the learn This is the learning curve I expect we're going to see in 2024 is while there's a bunch of us that we understand this and we've been in the data management space long enough to have gone through all these different cycles and see it, there's new people coming into this. We're now getting yeah. business executives going, I need, I, I need Gen AI, yeah, right? Because it's the thing, just yeah. like they did. Uh, I remember Claudia Imhoff made this comment at a, a conference a bunch of years back that she was on a plane was with uh, somebody who is clearly who's a C-level in a big corporation. And once he figured out who she was, his one question to her was, do I need one of those Hadoop thingies? And she said, <laughs> he literally said Hadoop thingy, right? And it was because he'd been reading, he was reading CIO magazine and yep. He's like, well, all the other CIOs are doing it. I don't think I have a Hadoop thingy in my company. Do I really need to do that? Or am I going to lose my job? Am I going to be a failure? And now we've got the same exact thing happening again with AI and Gen AI, right? Is do we need these things to be successful as a business? And it's getting, like you said, the hype train, right? Yeah. You're talking about there, Armand, and th and that's yeah. that's what's happening. And it's you know we'll go to a really old analogy: cart before the horse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is we start going is like, oh, let's let's go get this LLM. Well, okay, how are you going to use it? What's the <laughs> business purpose for getting that? What's your expected outcome? How are you going to measure success? You know, what are your metrics for doing this? And, you know, back to, I'll say, Frank Slootman's statement, you can't have an AI strategy without a data strategy. I'm augmenting that to, I'd say, you have to have a data management strategy, mm. right? It's, a, it's, it's another level, right? It's not just a data strategy. Okay, yeah, we got a bunch of data. Great. Yes, and we're going to put it all in Snowflake. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Then what? But what else, 
Right. Yeah. How are you, you know, how are you going to govern it? How are you going to manage it? Are we going to mask it? What data are we going to make available to the AI or the LLM? And how are we going to do that? Are we using Snowpark containerized services? You know, all of those things. And how are we going to get that data there? Which brings us to, you know, coalesce. How are we going to, how are we going to move that data through? Do we need to transform it? How are we going to add this meaning Mm -hmm. to the data so that it's useful, that it's not just a bunch of bits? And the, th- the thing I will say, and again, this is where people will throw um, sticks at me, but um, it's what I say when I get up on stage and do my, you know, old Australian man shouts at cloud routine, <laughs> is that I go, I've got one problem. I love, like, I love what's going on with the modern data stack. I also love the the communities that are sprouting around it and the thinking, like, it's incredible to, to watch it just go so mainstream, right? But what we have seen, and I think it is, it was probably born out of that lake plus Python equals win. Mm. What we have seen, in my opinion, is I tell people, the database administrators who taught me when I was your age would have thrown me out that window if I wrote the phrase select star, oh. like literally out that window. And the reason the reason is that an old piece of hardware in the back room would have melted through the yeah, floor, it would have, it would have right? Broke. Yeah. So now, and that's not me saying, you know, you shouldn't write select star now. We've, we've now got two, mm. but yeah, sure. But... But the point is that if you want to watch your snowflake bill go through the roof, if you want to, (laughs) totally right. But but the but the the thing is for me that the disciplines have been lost, as it always happens when um, technology suddenly makes it easier, right? And the trick is in here to go just understand that you know I know Silicon Valley is move fast and break things, and it is, but understand that what we're talking about here is is grounded in maths. This isn't just a product or a technology this is fundamental to how information works mm. that's that's why they're getting excited about are we on the cusp of general general ai if one of these models produces information it literally had no access to and verifies it we start right. to get into really interesting territory but for everybody else right some governance in our pipelines is valuable and the reason why coalesce like instantly i was just like oh god yes thank you i need this product because I have companies, plenty of them, where like, no, they, they expect that discipline. They want to embrace, you know, modern architecture. Um, this idea that because, you know, and another Kent quote about the, the column-aware architecture, column-aware yeah. metadata, which is baked into Coalesce, um, that, that for me is the key. It's like, it, it, it's basically, it's aware of lineage. It's aware, which is quite beautiful, of how, how you change meaning as it goes through the pipe, um, you can see that, you can diagnose that, and, yeah. and then is all still conforming to best standards and practices around open languages like SQL, right? Um, also, it can do Python, it can do everything else that it needs to do sitting on top of you know, um, uh, Snowflake. But I, I look at it as a perfect example where I'm like, this is a way to, to give some of the, the proven disciplines, if you want to embrace them, in a package that like anyone can can use this if you're familiar with some of the ideas of the modern modern data stack world. Um, yeah. And I think that's what's going to mean as particularly organizations that start to get really serious about this, mm-hmm. they, they're going to ask themselves, you know, what toolkit have we got to support the, the governance of structure during transformation? Because that's ultimately the governance of meaning during right. transformation. Um, now we're, we're seeing that for sure. Like here at Coalesce, it's part of the reason why you have that awesome belt behind you, JC. We're, we're obviously seeing a lot of momentum in the analytics workloads and adoption with our vision, the conceptual architecture, the product. 
I'm I'm thinking about as people take on these LLM use cases, like I'm still like coming out of this conversation, I'm feeling like we're going to have to brace ourselves for a lot of failed projects in that segment before people get their act together. And, you know, again, I think uh, George's commenting here, like it feels like the industry could just repeat all the same mistakes that we made during the kind of big data era potentially. And so I don't know if that's a, there's a sociology aspect to this, a psychological aspect to this, like, do we really feel like that's what needs to happen? Or I guess, or or is that how we feel? Like, I don't know, Satish, if you think that there's going to be a bunch of failed projects before there's successful projects and we just need to fall on our face a few times, is it a step backwards for two steps forward from your perspective? Um, You know, I've been in the space for long enough and I have seen the cycles uh, that Kent was talking about. Yeah, totally. I completely agree. I mean, when LLMs came out, people literally thought it was magic. And, you know, it it took a while for them to really understand, like, the model, you know, just says what you feed it to. Like, whatever you feed, to whatever point, that's all it knows. Yeah, it will find some inter kind of relationships and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's going to be determined by the quality and the, the volume of the data that you feed. So just an example to that, I know we talked about this um, a lot, but you know, in 1700s, let's say, you know, Galileo was in the court and they had an LLM and they have to decide Galileo's fate. And, and they would ask the LLM, hey, um, is the earth, you know, um, round or flat? I mean, you, you know the answer, what it's going to say, because up yeah. to that point, you know, so that's that's an example of how, you know, LLMs work pretty much. And the other thing that we uh, talked a lot about here, which is great, which is a semantic um, model, the importance of that. It's a context, right? Additional context to the LLM to narrow down the response and make it more accurate. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I really like the analogy that JC brought up in the beginning, a map. Yeah. I mean, imagine you're in a new city in a car without a map. So that's yeah. how it feels. You know, that's how it will feel if you're just having an LLM thinking that it's going to be some magic that it's going to solve and answer your question. So, yes, people will fail. People will bond their hands again. It'll come back. Some people are smart enough to, you know, come out. Um, but we have seen this over and over. It's going to be, I mean, I, we should grab our popcorn then because it's going to be quite the ride. I, I mean, this is definitely a whole new wave that is going to lead to a bunch of entertaining stories when we do the coffee with coalesce or the cocktail <laughs> coalesce four years from now. And we get JC and Ken back together. <laughs> can, can, I, can, I, can I say, can I just in defense, I want to just yeah. make sure that um, there are so many legitimate uses for massive productivity gain with just the incredible models that have been built by these, these teams. Like what, <laughs> what I want to be really clear about is like I hold the, the teams behind the open AI, the, the Llama teams in just the highest regard, because there is so much you can do with it by just, by just asking it to write stuff for you, by it's asking not, it's it not to, their fault, right? It's not yeah, their no, fault. No. People are going to misuse this stuff at it, all. It, the issue is immediately people are going, oh, and we could stick it on a database. And <laughs> it's, it's that bit we're talking about. Yeah, but that's what it's the next talking leap. About. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah, so yeah. much productivity. You should embrace LLMs. You should embrace, you know, chat GPTs and things. There's so much productivity gain you can get inside the business, right? Um, but what we're talking about here, we're not saying you need to do all of this to get any value out of that. 
but we are saying that if you think you're just going to spider this over the top of all of your business's information and data and knowledge, that that's where things are going to get gnarly. And yeah. I think a lot of people are jumping on that real fast for understandable reasons. Um, for sure. I, mean, yeah. I feel like we all saw this too, even, even in the case of Snowflake. Like, is it provided access to so many users who didn't have historical access to a database technology? There's a ton of misuse, right? Which is one of the other examples. I mean, obviously, Snowflake projects have been wildly successful and, and you know, we built our product with them exclusively in mind. But when it comes to open AI and LLMs and this new wave, like, I guess it is fair to expect there's going to be a fair bit of misuse to start before people really start to hone in on how to be successful. And that's not to discredit open AI. They've opened so many doors and they've released infrastructure into the world that is insanely powerful. Well, but now it's up to us to actually use it properly for the right. Right. And, and that's the key. So that's the, <clears throat> I'm going to steal an analogy Veronica Durian used in her talk about data vault at day to day texas she started talking about cars and driver's education so if you're comfortable driving a four-speed volkswagen and you've been driving for a month and you jump into a ferrari or a lamborghini and put the pedal to the metal the outcome is not going to be good Right, because it's a much more complicated, a much more powerful machine than what you're used to working with. And we the same thing is it putting something in a query into chat into the open chat GPT and having it write a couple of pages for you is one thing, but then trying to use that same approach and say, tell me how many salespeople I should have globally for the next five years, and think that you know you're gonna point it at your your snowflake data cloud and you're going to get the answer without some additional prep work for sure right? that that's you know you'll you might get an answer question is whether or not that answer is correct or even there's, close to correct there's again these comments are too good somebody just said isn't it funny that businesses that don't really understand their product or business think they can just put gen ai on top i referred to that as entertaining earlier michael yeah. i think Entertaining, funny way to describe a root canal. Yeah, that's probably along <laughs> the lines of what I meant by that with the sarcasm. That's it. Yeah, that's that, that. That's a good one. But yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, we're just going to throw Gen AI on top of it. But we don't even understand the businesses. So, <laughs> yeah, how if there's not enough information there for you to really understand how your business works and and do predictive analytics? Again, we're back to uh, yeah. George put up there as we do a vector database plus an LLM plus some magic and we're going to get awesome outcomes. Yeah. Right. You can literally get this. Go, oh, wait a minute. We got to take the data out of Snowflake it and put it in a vector database is what you're saying. No, 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 no. We're not no. saying that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't no. go down that road. That's that's the whole no SQL SQL thing again, right? It's like we, this, we built, we built this awesome supercomputer. We ask it what the meaning of life is. It takes, you know, eight years and the resources of a planet and it says 42. 42. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, in a way, that's what the LLM is, do, is literally doing. Like it, it's not, it's not wrong, but the, the problem is it's like, but you, you didn't understand how to talk to it and, right. and, and what it was going to try and do. With does, it. Neither of you has the right context. Correct. Exactly right. Exactly right. So <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm prepared for it. I'm looking forward to us doing a, a, a reference to this years from now, three or four years from now, and look at the outlook of how these projects 
were approached, were they successful or not? Why were they not successful or why were they successful? Uh, I'm gonna earmark this one for the future for sure. We've got just a minute left. I don't know, JC, Kent, or Satish, if you got any last minute thoughts, things you wanna add before we wrap this up, but this has been a ton of fun. Oh, just that it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and again, like uh, I I will at least stick to my guns. It can be hard sometimes, which is why it was a pleasure, you know, to to be on the the call. Can't yeah. yourself as well. Sometimes you can feel a little bit lonely, like you're going, look, I'm I'm really not trying to criticize all the cool tools. I know I actually want to embrace them. For We're sure. Having a conversation, people often want to talk agnostic, and I'm like, let's actually talk, you know, conceptual. Yeah. Let, let's do that because that that's going to be helpful then, no matter where we go. I'm really, I'm really glad you brought that up too, to, to give credit where it's deserved for all the amazing technical people who have built the functionality that is being. That's incredible. Yeah. hundred percent agree. It's yeah, now yeah. our, it's now our, it's in our responsibility to make sure it gets utilized properly. Absolutely. And, and I think that's it is the, you know, the overall message, regardless of all of this stuff is, you know, for people who are going to watch this and are embarking on whatever their, their gen AI journey for 2024 is take a breath. Yeah. Right. Approach with caution and with planning and discipline, right? It's not, it is not a free for all, it, it, you know, and that's really the thing. And that's where the, you know, the modeling and semantics and all of that comes in. That's part of the discipline of, you know, we want to get the most value out of this amazing technology. And it isn't just throw a dart at it and everything's hunky-dory, right? It, yeah. it does require some thought. Amazing. I know there's some last minute questions here. We can address them in the comment sections after the webcast. I think this has been an awesome conversation. It's why Kent, you are a goat, the greatest of all the transformers and why JC, you are a partner of the year for Coalesce. Thank you both for jumping on. Thank you, Satish. Thanks everybody else for tuning in and all the, Great comments here. This was definitely a spicier one. So I had a blast. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thanks, guys. Good to see everybody.